0: Welcome to Part of the Family from South Charleston First Church of the Nazarene in South Charleston, West Virginia. I'm Paul Neal, one of the staff pastors here at South Charleston First. In today's episode, we'll share the message from our Sunday morning service on January 30th, then Greg Beheller, Mindy Neal, and I will take a few more minutes to dig even deeper into the message. Just by listening in, even if you've never joined us in person or online, well, you're part of the family too. This past Sunday, Pastor Chris Riggs filled in for Pastor Kent with a message centered around the Third Commandment. If you've already listened to or watched the message, you can skip forward a little less than 30 minutes for our discussion of the message. Now, without further ado, let's listen to the sermon.
1: When I was uh, in getting my master's uh, in Kansas City, uh, I was rooming with a guy. There's a good friend of mine, his family. His dad had a very interesting job. Uh, His dad actually designed um, assembly lines uh, for major companies. And when he was younger, we got, I love talking to him because he's, he deals with a lot of high executives, people with a lot of power. He's dealing with Ford and Boeing and, and some of these big guys. And I just love to hear him tell stories. And uh, he was telling stories about his early days when he was working in the same kind of field, but in Detroit, in the automakers and car industry. And uh, he would talk about these stories, and something kept recurring that I finally caught on to, which was he was dealing with a lot of times, uh, as we like to know it, the family. The family okay, he wouldn't mention them by name, Uh, we would know them as the mafia, right, and that's, he would deal that in Detroit, and I mean, that just, I was like, this is cool, I mean, this is really cool, and he actually had a story that, uh, the best story, I guess, always the best story, but his story was that he was uh, at a restaurant with some of the people, and he had a newspaper clipping of when he left about an hour and a half later, that restaurant actually blew up, and it was actually how he had the newspaper clipping of, and he was there like an hour and a half earlier talking to those guys, and so, but what's interesting to me in all these conversations I was having with them—I mean, this is years later. I mean, decades later, right? Like this guy's older now. Um, he still would not mention the names of those people. He would—I bug him. I said, "Who was it? Who was it?" He would not. He would not, and he would say that I'm just not going to mention them. I'm not going to say who they are. I'm like, man, now that. That's power, right? Like, that's power in a name that decades later, after all this is done, he still won't say the name. The repercussions must have been, you know, I can't imagine where he just won't even say it in casual conversation decades later. And then I came across Exodus 27. This is what it says in Exodus 27. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Or maybe you know it this way. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, maybe all of us are going, uh-oh, some of you in the room are going, uh-oh, uh-oh, this, this commandment, the third commandment, right? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Something we teach our kids as we're growing up. Uh, I remember a story that I had with Molly when uh, we went to Town Center one time, and that's when Town Center still had stores, and you wanted to go to town center you know you weren 't there for an eye doctor appointment or something um, and so I remember we, she always liked going from the first floor to the third using the elevator, even the escalators are way more easier to do, but she always liked doing the elevator, so we got she was small, so we got in the elevator and um, and these people came in with us, and I just remember they were using god 's name in most creative ways right I mean they were just i mean they, were, they weren 't even whispering they were just loud in the elevator. And I looked down at Molly, and I thought, I've got to stop, because she was about to go off, right? You could just tell the shock and horror in her face, right? And I knew she was going to say something. I was like... Shh, was but, you know, that shock and horror. That And and maybe, when it comes to this commandment, uh, I wish I was more like her. You know what I mean? I wish I could remember that. that, because I could see it in her face. It's just this idea of, Dad, this is not right. And many of us, many of us know this commandment. It's actually the third commandment, and really... The second commandment is don't make an idol, right? And that says you will be punished if you make an idol in the image of God. Uh, and the third one, in this one, it literally says don't take his name in vain. And did you see that part afterwards? It says the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now think about that for a minute. In this Hebrew context, guiltless here is this idea of uh, being cleared of sin, or being cleared of, of wrongdoing. And really, uh, the irony here is is really what this is saying in the Hebrew text is is that God uh, will not. It's basically a, a it's a kind of a, a, a literary form in which God will return if you hold God's name empty or you take God's name in vain. God will then take your take your name that way. All right? It's it's a kind of a retribution type thing. If, if if you do this to God, God's going to do this to you. All right? Now I don't. I mean, right there. That sounds, sounds scary and ominous, right? I mean, I mean, I don't want to mess with God, just like my, my friend didn't want to mess with the family, right? I wouldn't want to do that. So when I look at this, when I first look at this, I think to myself, that is serious. For the people of Israel, this was extremely serious. They saw this commandment and they understood God's name to be revered, so much so that we end up with the tetra. We end up with. Oh no, sorry. We end up with the tetragrammaton. Now, I know that sounds like an evil person from a, uh, a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger thing, you know, where they all get together and it's the Tetragrammaton, you know, and like, you know, anyway, but it's not, right? So what it represents is, it represents the four Hebrew sounds that make up the Lord's name that Moses was given by God, okay? And so we see them as, uh, in English, they kind of say YHWH. That's not what the Hebrew is, but that's kind of how we represent it. Or does anybody know? They come really close. Does anybody know what that says usually? Yahweh, right? Like We, we pronounce it Yahweh. Um, but here's what's interesting. They took it so seriously that this name of God could not... that, that the second part of this, this commandment that said, don't use the name, Lord's name in vain, they were so scared that they would do that, that there would not be any chance that they would misuse His name that they literally stop saying it. That when they would come to it in their scriptures, like we would be in church, like it would be the place that they would read it in scripture, instead of reading it in scripture, they would replace it with something. And when they would talk about God amongst themselves, to this day, to this day, when they would talk about it amongst themselves, they won't say it. They will say words like Hashem. And Hashem is literally translated the name. Like, that's what they call God. They call him Hashem. They're not really even calling him God. It's just the name. Right? Because they were so scared of the other half of that. They understood the repercussions that the commandment said that you, they will not find him guiltless. God will not find him guiltless. who misuses his name. Now, name in vain here, or vain, has a couple different contexts. It's, really, it's not really like using as like a swearing, like an oath swearing. Not swearing like cursing, oath swearing. It's really taken to mean any time you use this name uselessly, without uh, meaning, or without purpose. When you use this name, not without any kind of... of, the, The actual Hebrew is this kind of empty basket kind of concept, this empty boat kind of concept, with no meaning to it. And I thought to myself, wow, we've really come a long way, haven't we, today? I mean, Honestly. I remember telling my teens that, you know, hey, try to put something, and I'm not sure this is, this is not a good, and my kids for that matter, I'm not sure this is a good recommendation. This is not Parenting 101. But I would say, hey, instead of saying, if you're going to, because Bra- we came, went through a time where Brady was kind of, he was hearing it, and so it was kind of, so we would say, you know, and you maybe how many, don't, I don't want to say, use gosh. You know, use gosh. Don't, don't say that. Use gosh. Replace that vocabulary with gosh in there, right? And so today, when I say this, I'm going to replace it with gosh, right? But how many times have you heard, his name being used for stuff in all different kinds of exclamations maybe surprise like gosh the dog pooped on the floor okay or anger gosh the dog pooped on the floor okay? or maybe in like in all these kinds of ways right in like in like shock or whatever it is it's used in these is, these ways that just they don't have any meaning it's used as an exclamation and I know we say to ourselves, well, you know, I don't, I don't do that. But let me say, I'm not as concerned about people who are not Christians using God's name that way. Because I'm not sure a lot of them even understand what that means. But can I say, I have heard it used within our Christian community way too much. Right? Way too much, God's name being used in these ways. And I read this commandment and I think, wow, that is, that is absolutely crazy. But can I can I tell us today that I believe that God's name God's name should not be used in vain like the commandment says. And but this is just a surface level thing I think. This misuse of God's name. I think most people who use, misuse God's name or use it in that way flippantly or an exclamation or as a kind of a curse word, I'm not sure a lot of them even if they're Christians, they don't it's a habit, right? Like, it's this habit. My mom did it. I did it. It's something I just grew up like. It's hard to get out of my mind. It's hard to to do that because it's just something I always just use as the exclamation, right? And that's what it is. And I don't think most of them even necessarily mean anything bad by it. It's just the way they express themselves, right? That's what we're going to say. But can I say I think this is a a surface-level thing? I think when it really goes deeper than this, I think if they really understood or, or understood why... Uh, why in using that? What they were saying? You see, the people of Israel, the reason they were so scared, not just because they believed that when you use God's name, you were invoking God. Imagine that—that that when you use God's name, that you were actually calling upon Him. That when His name came out of your mouth, that God listened, and He was there. Imagine that, right? I mean, imagine that. I mean, it doesn't happen to my son. If I yell, Brady, he never comes out from his room or he barely listens, right? So if I say, Brady, nothing happens, right? But they believe that if they use that name, that they were invoking God. Now, think about when you've heard it misused. Uh, The majority of time, nobody really wants to invoke God in that situation. They don't really want God's help. If you've ever used it, you really probably don't want God's help in that situation. You're expressing yourself in a negative way. But it's that they believed it was that, had that kind of power, that it was invoking his name. You think I, I think that this, this kind of us misusing, flippantly using this word, um, has, has a deeper context. I think we begin to understand that maybe we don't fully understand what we're saying when we're using the name of God. But I also believe that there's a possibility that you're here and you're like, hey, I'm good. I don't use God's name in vain. I substitute it with you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to say. I don't use his name that way. I'm perfectly fine. But can I tell you, I believe there's a way that we misuse God's name without even saying it sometimes, though, or saying it in a bad context. I believe it's totally possible to misuse God's name because if we take it in the context of being empty, this kind of not using it the proper way, when's the last time you sat down for dinner and you said to yourself, I have got, I, I, this burrito looks good. But in order for me to eat this burrito, I've got to have every member of my family, I've got to invoke the name of God and at least give thanks to the burrito. And you say, God, thanks for this burrito I'm about to eat. Amen. Right. With no real thanks, no real thought, we invoke God's name in prayers because our kids, we want them to understand that they need to pray before every meal. It's got to be a pattern. It's got to be a tradition. It's got to be something they do. How often? Do we tell somebody that we are going to invoke the name of God, the healer, when they come to us and they say, hey, would you pray for me? And we say to them, we'll bring your name before God. And then we never do. It's just a way of saying, I recognize you. I recognize your problems and I will be praying for you. But we never take it before God. But we invoke his name. We say to them, we'll be bringing it before God. Right? But it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, a few years ago, I made a commitment not to do this anymore. Because I found myself literally saying, people would say to me, can you pray for me? And then I would think two days later, you know me. I mean, I mean, I walk out the room, I forget it. Like, that's. What, but I found myself doing that. I found myself literally not praying for that person. And I said, that I can't do that. I can't tell somebody I'm going to be invoking God's name and telling them I'm be bringing them before God. And then I never choose to do so. So now if you catch me, here's what I'll say to you. I'll say my family and I'll pray for it. Because I remember that actually a lot more than I do anything else. And at nighttime we have prayers. And sometimes, I forgot to even tell my family what we're praying for, but during my prayer time, I'll mention people's names, and afterwards they'll be like, what was that prayer request about? Like, I, I told them I would pray. We were going to pray for them. Right? We're, but we invoke this name, and maybe we invoke it and we never end up praying for them, and we're using it, we're misusing it. How many times have I chosen to say something and I use God's name and I say, you know what, God told me to do this or God says this and I've never really checked on it myself or never really prayed about it. How many times have I pushed an ideology maybe, something that I thought was right that I wanted to happen, but I'm using God's name because I believe that gives me some sort of power, leverage in a situation. That, that, that using God's name without really having gone to him and had a clear voice from him somehow gives me that power in a situation. See, I believe it's totally possible to misuse his name without really using it as a swear word or, a, or an exclamation for something. But, but I don't want to dwell here. I don't want to dwell here because I think what happened is, is the Jewish people did. I will say this. Let me encourage you. Encourage you to consider how you use God's name in a negative way. If you use it and you use it as an exclamation point, if you're using it as a point of anger, if you're using it as a point of surprise, if you're using it in everyday language, may I encourage you to think about what that name means and who you're invoking. May I encourage you to think about that and change. Not because I just don't want to hear it, not because I have, I'm some sort of stickler on the rules, and I don't, because of the fact that I believe that when you use that name, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, that it means something. And it should mean something to you. If you're saying it, it, should mean something. And so let's think about that. How And then let's think about how we're using that name in negative ways, maybe. But I, I don't want to dwell here, because here's what happened. It's very interesting to me. Did you know that this tradition of the Jewish people, to stop using the name of God, Yahweh, as we would say, or the Teton, actually did not happen or did not start until about the 2nd B.C.? It was a long time later. You see, what happened was the Jewish people, they got so worked up and thought about themselves that they didn't want to take a chance, not a chance that they would misuse the name of God. They didn't want to take the chance that they would misuse his name. They didn't want to take a chance that they would not be held guiltless. They didn't want to do that, that they stopped pronouncing it altogether in that form. They just stopped. They said, we'd rather not even, we'd rather not even take the chance, not even take the risk. We don't want, we don't want to have it happen. We're just risk averse. That We don't want to have it happen. And what I find interesting Is it in all the commandments? Do we not find that God, and when we see it through Jesus, when he brings commandments to us all the time, it's this idea that the commandment wasn't set as a rule to avoid punishment. Like, Don't do this because you don't want this to have happen to you. There was always some deeper level of it. It was there for our benefit. It was there for our good. That's what the commandments are there for, right? Like, I think about his teaching. I think about Jesus when he's telling the story about the the wealthy uh, people giving money at the offering and the lady who had two copper coins. And she gives her two copper coins. and, And Jesus says, you know, really, she's the one who's giving more. And I'm sure the disciples were looking at that going, what are you talking about? The wealthy guy gave all this money, and this lady gave two copper coins. And Jesus is saying she gave out of her poverty. And what he's really saying is her heart's in the right place. right? It wasn't about the rule. It wasn't about the percentage or how much. It was about where that heart was at. And Jesus was all about that. In Matthew 5, Jesus says um, that he was here to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. Right? He was there to fulfill the law. It wasn't there to take away the rules. He was there to fulfill those. right? And he gives a couple examples of this in a couple of the commandments in Matthew 5. And so let's look at that. Uh, he says, I, don't, I forgot my papers twice a second time. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And then the second one says, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's this concept that we have a commandment that says do not commit murder, but God says that that commandment is not just it's just not the rule, it's this idea that behind the commandment that even if you're angry with your brother that's wrong. This is why I set this rule up. I don't want you committing murder, but I don't want you being angry with your brother either. This is deeper. This is not about just what I don't want you to do, it's about what I want you to do, right? This is about something that goes deeper, and I think with this commandment, we see this. It's not, the Jewish people got to the point, like with a lot of the rules they they had, especially when it came, uh, I've I've talked about this before, but some of the Sabbath rules they have, right? Uh, The commandment, I want you to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? And so what do they do? it's about keeping, making honoring God in that moment. But what do they do? They end up making it so they can't get out of their bed and take four steps to their teapot because of the fact that they'll be breaking the Sabbath. right? So they've got to move their bed closer to the stove so they can't take that many steps because their fear is, is that they will break that commandment and they will be judged. But that's not the point of that commandment. And in here, we have this idea that the Jewish people have this name and they're so scared of the punishment on this side that God will hold them not guiltless that instead of using his name, they choose not to use it altogether. Right? They choose just to miss. It. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the reverence aspect of it. The idea that this name is sacred is incredible. But I believe, I believe that all throughout Scripture, God makes it very clear to us That his name has power. And it should, shouldn't it? That name of God should have power. It should have clout. I mean, we are talking about the God who created the entire universe. Everything. That name, God. He created the entire universe. He was the one who created you and he created me, right? He was the one who created all space and time. He created dimensions we haven't even figured out yet. That name has power. right? That name is the same name that when spoken, it parted the Red Seas and let the people walk through dry land, right? That name, that's who did it. That was God. He brought a flood upon the earth, right? That is God. All of these things that we see throughout Scripture, the power of God, the people of Israel should have recognized that this name, and they did in a sense, this name has power, right? This name has power, This name healed the sick. It brought sight to the blind. It took demon-possessed people and drove the demons out of them. This is God. That is His name, and it has power. But what's fascinating to me is is that God never tells the Jewish people not to use His name. Fascinating. He doesn't tell them not to use it. They stopped using it. It didn't happen until 2 B.C. They just stopped it. It was in their pattern practice. They stopped it. God never commands them to do that. God never says, hey, don't use this name. God doesn't say, hey, you don't, don't say this. God says, don't misuse my name. Don't misuse my name. And my fear for us today is that a lot of times we step out of the way and say, well, I'm not misusing his name. I, we're like the Jews. We're not misusing it. I don't, I don't curse that way. You know, I don't use it in that way. But do we use the name of God the way we're supposed to? Do we use the name of God the way we're supposed to? The commandment says, do not misuse, do not take it in vain, but do we understand the power in that name that is available to us? There's a couple verses, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, It says this. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all of it for the glory of God. And Psalm 115.1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. You see, I believe, I believe that, our, that one of the issues we have as a church is not that we misuse God's name terribly. It's that we don't use it enough. We don't use it enough. How many times have I found myself looking at someone and said, Well, that sure was lucky. That sure was lucky. Glad that happened. That glad it worked out the way it did. That's amazing, isn't it? That worked out the way it did, right? I found myself one time. I have a neighbor, uh, and he may he may be listening to this. So if I got said in the first service, Joe. I'm just using you. I'm sorry. Uh, Joe's my neighbor, and I went over to Joe one time, and he was having he had some issues, and I found myself saying to him, "Joe, I'm glad it worked out that way. I really am." And I walked away from that, and I, I mean, I was just convicted. It didn't work out that way. God is at work. Why? Because I'd been invoking the name of God for Joe for weeks. I had been bringing Joe's name in front of God and praying to God and using his name saying, God, please help Joe. I pray that you would heal Joe. And somehow I didn't take it seriously enough because guess what? God helped Joe. And in that moment that I'm talking to Joe, and Joe is asking me, instead of using God's name in a proper way and saying, Joe, look what God has done in your life. I chose to give it a chance. Or say it was lucky. or Man, that's crazy how that happened. I know how it happened. Right? And so let me encourage us to understand that we serve a God who has said to us, "Not, don't use my name, use it because it has power it has power to help us live it has power there's power in that name we sing it don't we i mean i can't tell you the number of choruses that we sing in here that talk about the the power that is in the name of jesus right the power that has to heal the power that it has to forgive the power that it has to work in our lives we sing it but how often do we use it how often do we actually invoke the name of god when we're in real trouble or do we try to work it out ourselves or try to figure out the problem ourselves, right? We have a resource that He wants us to use His name and He's proven it throughout all of Scripture. That if we'll call on Him, He will be there for us. If we use His name, He will answer. We have Scripture upon Scripture that tells us that if anything that happens in our lives that is happening, that we, that we can see God working, that we are to give Him all of the glory, Every bit of it. It's a way for him to be known amongst all of the nations. Right? If God is working in your life, you should be telling people about it and using God's name to do so. It's not that you've just been doing some good stuff, so good things are happening to you. It's because the fact that you serve a God that has you in mind, he loves you and cares for you and has your best. Right? And you should be mentioning that. Think about it for a minute. When's the last time you just literally said to someone, God is really good and God is doing incredible things in my life. God is really helping me through these hard times. God is the one that I wake up with every day. God is the one that informs my life. God is just is doing great things for me. People sometimes say to me, I don't know how to start a conversation with someone who's not a Christian. How do I start that conversation? How about you start telling them what God's doing for you? Is it part of your language? Is it part of your everyday conversation? How often are you talking to a friend or somebody you know is not Christian and God comes up? Well, how do I bring God up? Well, God is working in your life. You should be invoking that name. You should be calling on him. You should be using the name of God so that when you're with somebody, it shouldn't be something that has to be strained to use. It should be something that comes out naturally, right? That's what we should be invoking his name. And so let me encourage us. Let me encourage us this week. I know this sounded like you're saying, Oh, you're using the God's name in vain. You're going to be not held guiltless. Ah, right? But that's not it. God never intended his commandments that way. He didn't mean for them to be this, this punishment for something you did wrong. Those commandments are meant for us to live a full life. It's not that we misuse the name of God. We shouldn't misuse the name of God. And I will encourage you not to do so. Don't misuse his name. But can I flip that over and say, people, we need to be using the name of God. He wants us to. He wants us to. He is our provider. Jehovah Jireh. He is our healer, right? I mean, this is God. Let us call upon Him. He has given us those those names. He has given us the opportunity to, to, to tap into His power. He is for us. He is not against us. So think about it this week. How often are you using God's name? And how are you using His name? I pray that you use God's name and all the power that is available to us through his name because he is an awesome God whose name is holy and is deserving of all praise and honor and glory. That is his name. His name is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all of your blessings to us, that you chose us as a people, that we are your chosen, that you've you've chosen to love us in spite of everything that we do, uh, in spite of who we are, Heavenly Father. And you are an awesome God. You are the creator of all things. Help us, Heavenly Father, to understand that there is so much power in your name. And you have chosen to allow us to use it, to call on you whenever we want to, to be able to call on you for what we need, to be able to give you praise and honor and glory, to be able to share your name with others, that the world might know you and that you love them and that you want their best. You are for them and not against them. Help us, Heavenly Father. Help us not to hinder that. Help us not to hinder that by using your name in improper ways, but help us not to hinder that by not using your name at all. Help us to have your name in our mouths that wherever we go, we can we can ask you for what we need. We can praise you for what you give us and how you work in our lives that your name will be on our lips. That in Whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or talk or whatever action takes place, that we are constantly glorifying you because you are an awesome God who gives us everything that we need, who leads us, who guides us, who heals us, Heavenly Father, who restores us, who forgives us. And I pray that we would all the day be singing your praises, that our, your name would be on our lips, that we wouldn't be worried about how we're misusing it as much as we're worried about how, how awesome we are and how awesome it is to use your name, Heavenly Father, how awesome it is to use your name. I pray that your name would be on our lips at all times. And for that, we will give you praise and thanks every day, all day long. We ask this on your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Welcome back. We're here in the studio with uh, Greg Behaler and with Mindy Neal. Mindy, uh, you might recognize the last name. Mindy is, is also my wife. Um, but Mindy was attending here at South Charleston before, before I was. So Mindy, before we get started on discussing the sermon, tell us a little about your South Charleston first story. How'd you end up here?
2: Um, I actually started at South Charleston uh, when my daughter was a preschooler. I met someone in a library. She said, hey, you want something fun to do? come along with me to this church. And so that was in 2005. We um, eventually came to see an actual sermon, and it was in May of 2005, and that we, we got to hear Morton Eastup preach, and we really liked it. And then he said he was leaving and retiring, <laughs> and so we didn't come back for a long time. <laughs> Seriously. Um, we didn't come back again for a visit until probably uh, November, December 2005, and then we'd never stopped coming back. So we've been here since. Um, after we started coming, um, I got involved. Probably one of the first ministries I got involved in was Grief Share. Right. And Pastor Merlin Province had brought it here um, and wanted to be able to reach out to people who were recovering or, or dealing with you know a grief experience. And so um, at the time it was announced, we're going to have this new ministry. Would you like to be involved um, it, with to help people? And that really spoke to me. I felt this calling that I should go. I was really amazed at how much it helped me, even though it had been you know several years since a grief experience. Right. Um, and then I stayed involved in that ministry. Eventually, when Mackenzie was old enough, we did upward for years. You know, with cheerleading, and I said the only thing you have to be um, qualified to do as a cheerleading coach is humiliate yourself in front of people. <laughs> and so we um, we did that for years with uh, the the cheerleading coaching and then on to scoreboard keeping and, and concessions. And you've just
0: been involved in a ton of other ways since then. Yeah, you're on the church yeah. board, so you're one of our sure. leadership team and sure. so celebrate I, recovery. Greg yeah. and I were talking uh, on a previous episode about how many ways in our church has. And right. so, uh, we, we love that because it lets people just plug in in so many different ways. Yeah. Celebrate recovery ministry. There's just, cause there is, it's, it's great to come and, and, and sit and listen and be involved in worship. And that's all very important, but to get, come in and get plugged in. Um, I think that's what really begins to, that's one of the ways God really begins to transform us right. is, is through our involvement. So, yeah. and we're, we're going to have a separate conversation and, and release a little bonus episode about grief share, because that is a really powerful ministry here at the church. So if you're subscribed to our channel, You'll, you'll get that bonus episode too, uh, pretty much along with this one. Uh, if you want more information about grief share, we do have a new session about to start. So, um, but uh, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your story. And, and we met here as well. And, so, and then we're married uh, yeah. a, a year later. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Paul, you may want to mention this too. We're actually all related in this realm. We are. Oh, right. We are. Um, Greg is married to my first cousin uh, who I grew up with in this church. It's a little confusing because I said that Mindy was here before I was, but I, I attended here when I was a kid mm. and uh, my cousin, Marissa, who uh, is also on staff here at the church. Um, we grew up here in this church together. Um, and, and then I went into full-time ministry and was around the country and different places and and then through meeting Mindy uh, moved back to Charleston uh, when we got married and um, so, so, yes, Greg is my cousin-in-law. We've, we've, <laughs> is, that and- a real, is that a real thing? Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, cool. um, yeah you and- can take bereavement for that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Chris um, Riggs say- is not related to us, who's often on the podcast. Michael <clears throat> Lowe is not. not. So it's not always not. related people. But right. this week, it happens to be through people who yeah. are, are
2: related. And and back to the Mothers of Preschoolers, it was um, Greg's sister-in-law, April Epperly, she was helping to lead that, um, the Mothers of Preschoolers, at the time. And she stayed on me... Like every month, hey, are you going to come back to church? You going to come back to church? And so, yeah, really, April Epperly was the big testimony to me to come here.
0: April Epperly, also my cousin. So, (laughs) connections everywhere. Um, so, uh, we're here today to talk about, uh, uh, pastor Chris's sermon. Um, pastor Kent had a scheduled absence this past week. Uh, our district has a pastors and wives retreat. And so we support and, and sponsor our pastor to go with that with his wife and just gives him a nice getaway and to be poured into the way that he pours into us every week. Um, so it's always a delight to hear from pastor Chris, um, and he tied in this week with the Names of God uh, series um, with a message entitled Only the Third Commandment that you've either just heard or heard on Sunday. Um, I, I really, really liked Chris's take on the Third Commandment, um, that he really started out with the traditional interpretation of it, which is very important that we not take the name of the Lord in vain. Um Greg, what was your experience with that growing up? Is that something you you knew was, was part of of what was expected of you? or?
3: Well, I, I mean, early on in my life, obviously not a Christian. So, you know, um, but I think I even knew then that you shouldn't do it. But um, so we would, much like other people, substitute the word, you know, gosh, as Pastor right. Chris would talk about. And um, then in my Christian, early Christian days, I come to find out that maybe that's not even a, a good substitute, you know. Um so, yeah, I was familiar with that. It it, it definitely, um, I think Chris definitely shed some new light on that for me, though, right. even this week on, on that. And, um, you know, there are many different facets to what he was, was sharing. But for me, um, you know, uh, the thing that really stuck with me was towards the latter part of the sermon, it just n- not invoking the name of, of God sometimes that we pass on. Right. You know, and we kind of say, well, yeah. you know, wow, that was really fortunate or, you know, what, mm-hmm. what great luck when really... You know, right. that's really God bad. at work in our yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we subscribe that to to chance and luck and all this kind. Of, and I think, you know, there's some of that out there. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, God's definitely, you know, working and moving in our lives. And right. we need to yeah. invoke his name and, and share that with people when, when he does.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, when he was talking about, you know, using gosh or, or, you know, using God's name in vain, it reminded me of the OMG craze. And not that the craze is maybe gone. I don't know. But I know when Mackenzie was of that age. You know when when you started texting and the OMG and how it was like you can't use OMG don't <laughs> right. you know what that stands right. for yeah. Yeah. and then you would see OM Gosh right. people would write that yeah. and and so yeah it was always like hold on that's just another way of taking <laughs> God's name in vain.
0: Well, growing up here in this church, um, I mean, my, my, the Nazarene Church definitely used to be a lot more sort of diehard on a lot of things, and and certainly what we referred to as shoot cussing was one of them. Um, you didn't, mm-hmm. you, you know, saying shoot instead of the alternative S word. Um, but, you know, gosh, is certainly a form of that. We were so, uh, my, my mother was raised in a denomination called Pilgrim Holiness, which uh, was extremely conservative and became, they, they ended up becoming Wesleyan, the existing Wesleyan denomination. But like, we weren't allowed to say, Uh, Jiminy Cricket, which was uh, uh, occasionally it was, that was something people would use as a, as shoot cussing because Mm -hmm. JC Jiminy Cricket, Uh, because that was believed to be shoot cussing for the name of Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was in in a way almost goes along with what the the latter part of what right. chris ended up talking about that we just get so afraid of misusing god's name that we go to these ridiculous lengths yeah. and we ignore the things that are really important about using god's name right. we we make it this simple rule and then we build all these fences around that simple rule right. when when really we're we're misinterpreting that in in entirely um because the name has power, um, like you know, Chris talked about, he started out with talking about the mafia and how the the, the friend's the friend's parent wouldn't mention those names. Years later, who knew Chris had connections? I know. Like, oh. <laughs> I know. He's
3: That's, still with us. That's a good thing, right? I wonder if he knows where Jimmy Hoffa is buried. Uh, That's the know. question. I um, shouldn't even ask that question. Probably, probably not.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the idea that a name can have power i was uh, of course this is something else that wouldn't have been allowed when i was a young kid in the church of the nazarene harry potter you talk about there's a the character in there voldemort and they call him he who must not be named because Mm -hmm. they believe that just speaking his name as this evil character sort of invokes his presence and and so it's so so interesting
2: like you said it while we've been in this room, I did say Voldemort. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, but fictional. So you don't it's all that. Fictional. yeah. You don't believe yeah. that. <laughs> but with you know, within the context of the story, that that, that, that name has power mm-hmm. um, is something that sort of runs through human belief. I think you know our names have power. Um, I think in in some pagan beliefs that you don't want you don't want these evil spirits you know that, that they believe mm-hmm. in to have to know your name. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think. And that was something we always were sort of taught. One of the reasons you don't use God's name is because you don't want somebody using your name like that. Um, I mean, if every time somebody hits their thumb with a hammer, they go, oh, Paul. I mean, that's, you, you don't <laughs> want
2: to do be that. that. I do say that. I do, but we're yeah. married, so Maybe, yes. that's probably why. So it's yeah. it's,
3: it's, it's one yeah. of the things that we have to work Chris on. did a great job of the <laughs> historical context of that, too. And it's interesting to me that that it's somewhat come full circle in, in some sense yeah. that, you know, that um, the Jewish faith had just... Abstain from using that word for fear of using it right. incorrectly, and so um, not that that's our necessarily our our reason for not saying it sometimes, but you know they on the flip side of that they also didn't say it and invoke the power they lost the whole right. you know right. potential to say that name and invoke the name and with power and um, we do the same thing sometimes we forfeit it
2: yeah. right yeah I was thinking when he was talking about how the Jewish people stopped using God's name how I think it helped put in context what happened when Jesus came. And Jesus is not only talking about God as his father. He says, you know, my father and I, we're, we're like one. And so it must have been so like, you know, that was blasphemy. You know, right. that kind of helps put that in context that these people would not even say God's name. And then you have this guy walking around saying, yeah, no, we're like one. Me and him, we're like yeah, <laughs> father, son. That's a
0: good point. Yeah,
2: yeah. so it, it kind of puts his... You know Jesus' whole walk on earth, really into some context too. I thought that was really right. The things, something I thought of after after Chris said it, it was like, hmm. Yeah, if the they things still he were was claiming it, were yeah.
0: controversial and yeah. and blasphemous yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do think it's so interesting. You know, Chris talked about the the, the term that I think. We talked, said Kent has used the tetragrammaton, the four letters, um, that, 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 just the Y-H-W-H so that they don't, and, and that's where you get into Jehovah too, because they inserted different vowels so that it wouldn't be the same name, mm-hmm. but so that it could be pronounced. Wow. And that's how we ended up with Jehovah. And I'm sure I'm getting some of those details, not quite accurate, but that's basically that J-H-V-H are the same as the Y-H-W-H, um. But the idea, yeah, that they they just used the term the name instead of instead of saying God's name, the, the Hashem. Um, it, 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 but it is something that that we as humans are so good at. We, if it's something that that can be black and white, if it's something that can mm-hmm. be simple for us, and then we can build complexities around that simple thing in the middle. You know, yeah. don't misuse the name means don't say the name at all. That's easy to understand. Right. That's easy to do. Um, but it becomes more complicated when we get to, like Chris was talking about in the second part of his sermon, that it's not just not using the name, it's it's using the name the way God is calling us to use it. That's a lot harder. That requires us to, as Chris was saying, to to really follow through on praying with people to really follow through on, on be, like the, the person that you ran into who invited you to MOPS, to the Mothers mm-hmm. of Preschoolers program. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who is out there actively promoting the name of God by inviting people to church, by by inviting people into relationship. Right. That's how we're supposed to use the name. Yeah, it's more than just a punitive,
3: right, you know, you know rule. It's really to, to invite us to, uh, to be changed and to be, you know, as you said. Um, you know, when Chris talked about um, – you know, when people say, you know, I have this need and we say, oh yeah, I'll be praying for you. And that really hit me because I know there are times that full of great intentions that I've said, yes, I'll pray for you. And it doesn't happen. And I thought thinking about that as a way of of possibly, you know, using his name in vain, not invoking his name when, and not making the time to do that for people Mm -hmm. that really spoke Mm -hmm. to me in a way that, and I love that he just said, you know what, I just made this decision, right. That I'm going to, now I'm going to tell people, "Hey, my family. We're going to pray for you, and make that a part of our family prayer time." Right. And and really, right. um, it's like putting something on your calendar, right? If it's on your calendar and you say it, and mm-hmm. d- then then you know it's there, and you know you're going to do it. And so, I don't know. That just really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have so many needs um, and people, and the prayer requests come out, and we get the emails, and we read them, and I think how often I've read that, I've read it.
2: Right, you read it. I read it. Yeah, yeah. And
3: that's not that's not praying for it, but I read right. it. Right. And that's kind of yeah. what I've maybe left it at in some cases. And so I just want to be more mindful of that. And I know that that'll be a process for me, but be mindful of that. And and just that when someone is, uh, and a part of the family is asking for prayers, and let's be diligent, let me be diligent, let me be invoking the name, right? Let me be using his name and and calling upon him to to intercede or whatever it might be for that person. Um, So I had not thought of that like that. You know, I have not thought of, you know, not to use the Lord's name in vain in that context. And certainly, you know, I don't go around obviously swearing, but I certainly have said I'm going to pray for you and then not go
2: through. sometimes what I do now, and I have become more and more aware of this, um, is I'll stop. If I get a special prayer request, say that someone has texted me and said, Mindy, will you pray for me? Then it is. It's like I put everything aside. I put everything down. And there are occasions when I can, I'll even take a posture of prayer. Like I'll get up from my, I'll shut my door at work. I'll get up, I'll kneel down, and I'll pray. And it just kind of helps center you at that point where Mm. you're saying, I'm not taking this for granted. I'm coming into this place. I want to put everything else aside and say, God, I'm coming to you right now. And to realize kind of the awesomeness of that, Mm. that we can actually go and speak to, you know, our Heavenly Father who oh happened to create the universe, (laughs) you know. And it's like all of this made me think about how, you know, um, Chris was also talking about how often we, we want to teach our kids to say grace, you know, before meals. And how often do you just very flippantly, you know, you know, bless our food, you know, amen. The burrito. No. The burrito, the yeah. Burrito, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's not just in saying grace. I mean, how often are we coming into other sort of routine things, like even Sunday morning church, you know, even into worship. And, you know, like you're part of the worship team. And how often are you looking out and people are just kind of like – It is just, you know, reading words off of a screen, you know, like we don't want it to be that way, but how often are we missing just how awesome it is to be, you know, not only together in this sort of opportunity to worship together, but also, I mean, to just literally be before your your heavenly father and be in this room where he said, I promise to come and join you here, you know, like. So I think it, there is this sort of misuse or taking God for granted, you know, not only in a prayer, but then also in our worship or in, right. you know, our church attendance or whatever.
0: Yeah. I, I love that thought. Um, you may be hearing our church choir lifting up the name of God. We, we don't know how, how sensitive our mics are. We're in the church studio, but we're not far from the sanctuary. So our, our church choir is rehearsing. So if you hear music in the background, it's not, it's not Greg. Greg is not singing. There's a reason I play guitar. <laughs> but, uh, and and then I think a train just went by too. So we had, yeah. we had sound from all around. Um, I, one of the illustrations I always loved uh, when I was a youth pastor, um, I don't think I've shared it in here, but um, there's a story told probably apocryphal but about alexander the great and he was on the battlefield at one point and in his in his tent where he planned all the campaigns and um, one of his officers dragged in a young soldier and he said he said uh, sir we just found this this young soldier running away from the battle and uh, alexander the great you know walked up to him and said uh he said boy what's your name and the young man said alexander sir and Alexander the Great looked at him and said, either change your name or change your behavior. Mm-hmm. And I love that concept mm-hmm. that if we call ourselves Christians, mm-hmm. little Christs, basically, mm-hmm. we better act like that. And um, so it's we can take his name in vain by taking his name upon ourselves right. and then not... Being what he calls us to be. Now we've talked about that—that that we're we're going to make mistakes. We're we're not going to be perfect, but to, so often we still deliberately go against you know what we know God wants, and yet we still dare to call ourselves Christians. Um, that that just doesn't fly. You know we can take his name in vain that way uh, too. I think so. Just some some wonderful uh, context that Chris put around all of that. Uh, I really liked, and I loved when he was talking about, he, he said, that name is the same name that when spoken, it parted the Red Sea, mm-hmm. it lets people walk through on dry land. What a privilege to mm-hmm. be able to call upon that mm-hmm. name um, and that we can. We don't mm-hmm. have to avoid saying it. We just have to we just have to make sure that our lives back up the fact that this is, uh, I got an email from uh, David Troffer, who's one of our staff pastors works with our older adults. He's a retired Nazarene minister. And um, at the end of the email this past week, he said, he said, "I I want you to know that, that Ruth and I, his wife, we lift you, we lift yours and Mindy's names before God when we pray and to be able to, and when I hear that from David Troffer, I know he means it. And what a privilege to have somebody like that lifting our names before God. Uh, But if, can people trust us to be the same? Like you were talking about, you know, we, we, we say we're going to pray for somebody and then we don't. So that was a real challenge to me uh, this week.
2: As far as the power stuff, like Greg said, when the Israelites, when they stopped saying God's name, they really lost having that power, you know, and I think about my own, recovery story and how important sort of recognizing God's power, the power of saying Jesus, you know, saying that name. And, and, you know, I've dealt with some depression and anxiety. And part of that is just not realizing again, you know, taking for granted the relationship that I have with God, taking for granted who he is and who I am to him, like all of that, you know, I've sort of have forfeited in my life, um, Being able to tap into that, to tap into that relationship and really be able to identify myself correctly, all because, you know, you kind of forget, you let Satan, you know, kind of introduce the static where you're not even thinking anymore about, wow, you know, I'm God's child, you know, I'm a child of the Mm -hmm. King, you know? And so, yeah, it's the whole sermon, like you said, the whole sermon kind of reminds us of those things of how easy it is to, uh, to forget You know yeah sure i don't say you know (laughs) i don't say god's name in vain but i do let satan distract me and i forget just how wonderful and powerful it is to have a relationship with god
0: yeah yeah
3: and we get to speak that into people's lives you know if we if we take the opportunity to right you know god's been working in your life and right and i'm going to thank god for you for this and and um i know it's certainly more challenging at work it seems like these days you know you I guess the word is you just have to be careful sometimes at right. work. But I do think we have the opportunity to yeah. to speak into people's lives through deeds and actions and even words mm-hmm. at times that we can, you know, invoke His name and and um, you know had the opportunity just to say to someone this today. In fact, um, um, who was you know, somebody I work with and just, just to mention, I'm, hey, I'm praying, I'm praying for you. And and then on the heels of this sermon, I'm really, you know, so really on my drive it, back yeah. from Beckley today, I'm racing to get here. You know, it was a time for me to be in prayer and be mindful of that person and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, honor, honor what I said I was going to do and right. honor God's name by invoking his name and yeah. and praying for people. And uh, I think people are pretty,
0: I think most people are pretty um, receptive to that. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, when it's so easy sometimes to say, you yeah, know, my thoughts are with you. I mean, just yeah. as Christians that we're not afraid in you know, no yeah. offensive way, but to say, yeah. you know, you'll be in my prayers. Yeah. and and, but again, we better live Real our way. lives in such a way that right. when we say that it doesn't sound flippant, that, that they know. It's that, not yes, a surprise. Right, like
2: what? Prayer. You pray? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? Who are you praying to exactly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, we don't want him to to, to question that, for sure. <laughs> right? Like who does it is that
2: we're going to. But
0: overall, yeah, I think this uh, this sermon it provides a great framework for the rest of the series we're going to go through, because when we when we do know, call upon Jehovah, when we call upon Elohim, you know those different names we've already talked about, mm-hmm. and so many more that we're going to be talking about, that that those are names we can call on, and and use properly, not just in our own lives, but in our in our in our interactions with other people. You know, when somebody yeah. says, you know, I just really, I, I, I'm I'm, just desperately in need and it's mm-hmm. not something you can fix by giving them a $20 bill. Mm-hmm you can say, well, my God is Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my God is the God of power that, mm-hmm. that we can, we can know those things because these are, these are the names of God. These are the things that we, yeah. we can call him and, and have your testimony, yeah.
2: have your testimony ready and don't be afraid to share it. Yeah. yeah. true. And that's hard. Cause I mean, we've, it's when you're in your most desperate that this all becomes so real, right? That you, remember just how how important it is that God's on your side you know what I mean that he's with you um one more thing I'm not sure where we are you are fine yeah that
0: we're getting ready to wrap up right that's we always call for sort of last (laughs) thoughts.
2: yeah um Kent or uh, excuse me Chris um spent a little bit of time talking about how you know how literal the it, it was you know not to use God's name at all and and how Jesus sort of broke those rules like he took the commandments and he he kind of made them more about not, like you said, it's easy. Like we like rules that we can manage or we like right. like lists. Like I'm going to do this to be a good person or a good Christian. But he said, okay, it's not enough not to murder someone. You know, you can't hate them either because that's murdering them in your heart. Or, right. you know, so Jesus kind of took it in a whole new direction. Like he blew open the commandments to a whole new place. Mm. And I was thinking about that too, how he kind of set this new standard but what a gift it is that he was here. You know, Jesus came and he taught us how to pray. You know, he told us how we should do it. He taught us how to live. And when he left, you know, we, you know, God sent the Holy Spirit. You know, we can have the Holy Spirit living in us to help us do all this. Right. You know what I mean? We can have that available to us. So yeah. Um, as far as like following rules, you know, it's not as much about following rules as it is in your heart just waking yeah. up every day. like. Like your sermon had been, you know, with sanctification, you know, in your heart waking every up every day with, you know, where do you want me to go, God? What do you want me to be? Right. And realize, wow, I'm getting to talk to you. Yeah. This is pretty cool, you know. Yeah.
3: yeah, he wants more for us than just to be a, a, rule, a rule follower. follower. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wants to relate. He wants to change the condition of our heart. Right. And and to to, to be in a relationship, and you know, any relationship mm-hmm. you're in, you know, it's more than just following the rules. It's right. You know, being available yeah. and and uh you know i, I i'm i'm thankful for that, that oh yeah you know that he wants to know us that well um uh, loves us that much that you know he he wants more than just for us to be a rule follower and, uh man what a promise what a great thing and it
2: is. that we can right. be just transformed by that right yeah and the holy spirit's gonna help us do it.
0: yeah well that'll do it for uh for this discussion uh we thank you for joining us if you don't have a church home we'd love to have you join us any sunday uh, here in South Charleston at South Charleston First Church of the Nazarene. We have a traditional service, a little more traditional service at 9 a.m. And then we have a more modern service at 11 a.m. And we have life groups for children, teens, and adults uh, throughout the morning. We have a wonderful youth ministry, a wonderful children's ministry, the grief share ministry that we were talking about, and uh, celebrate recovery ministry that we always want you to know for the, is available to anybody who has hurts, habits, or hang-ups each Sunday evening at 6 p.m., um, If you have, if you do want more information about grief share, uh, you can listen to that other episode or you can email grief at scnaz.com. Um, it's G R I E F at scnaz.com and you can get more information and we hope to see you sometime soon. And remember you're part of the family.